Welcome to this episode of the Two Book Girls podcast. I'm Sasha. I'm Nicole. And today we are going to continue discussing the King series by T.M. Frazier. In this episode, we'll be discussing the main characters, Creppy and Doc, in the book Creppy, The Life and Death of Samuel Clearwater, 1 through 3, narrated by Lance Greenfield and Kirsten Lee. So let's get started. Okay, so basically at the end of the two-book portion on Bear, we find out that Preppy did not die. So, and he was actually being held captive by Bear's dad at the MC for all this time. And so this is basically telling Preppy's story and kind of how he ends up finding his love interest. But it the first book... That, well, actually, the whole, all three kind of have a lot of flashbacks, but the first one is, I would say, primarily takes place as kind of a prequel to all of these books. Like, it, it goes back in time because he originally met the main girl character, Doc, prior to when the King books start. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think it's a pretty good summary without any spoilers. So, another trigger warning, there is course, out of you, great, you know, mature audiences only, that type of thing. Are we doing another niece warning? Niece warning as well, this whole series. Okay. <laughs> another niece warning. I think like we said, we uh we both like these books. Kirby is one of my favorite characters in this whole series. He's kind of like I think Nicole is saying he's like the um, comic release, so even though he's like deadly and he's very serious about taking care of his family he's very loyal he's also i mean he basically well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna that's a spoiler but well no i guess that's fine he basically took a bullet for a king and that's the reason why he ended up in his situation but i just love him to death yes i I love Preppy as well. He is definitely a favorite of the series. And he's able to make things attractive that I don't think normally would be. Maybe because he is so deadly. But he has an affinity for female pop music that he sings a lot. You know, like, so it's it's just kind of, it's a funny contrast. So I guess this is the point where we um, declare spoiler alert. And if you guys haven't read these books yet, make sure to go read them and come back later for our discussion, for our conversation. But to get started on the the spoilers slash characterization, um, how did you feel about Preppy and Doc? I, I love them. I think she was perfect for him. I feel like Preppy is one of the most original voices in this series, you know? It it doesn't matter if the narrator wouldn't have to change their voice and you know it you know it's preppy talking. Like he's I feel like he has the most defined. Like you can pick him out of any of them. And I also feel like Dre in her, you know, style of dress and just everything else, I feel like she's also very like a defined character where as you go throughout all of the books, you know, and go on I feel like Doe and Thea have less of a, you know, their per- their personalities don't seem to come through as much and make them distinctive. But I feel like she's as similar as can be 
with the exception of rage, of course, um, where she kind of is her the um, most unique of the girlfriends, wives, whatever. I think that kind of is just a result of how unique Preppy is in their group as well. So based on all of all of the love interests, um, Doc had the hardest like life. Like she was you know, hooked on heroin, you know, she had an addiction, she had this guilt that was, you know, basically suffocating her. I mean, she met Preppy by on the water tower because she was trying to kill herself. So I think she is that distinctive just because of, you know, her life and her experiences. Yes, Doe was living on the street homeless, but she wasn't addicted to anything. Um, She wasn't on drugs. She wasn't actually a prostitute or anything like that. So I just think different experiences bring out different things in you. And that's one of of the things that Preppy could relate to. And then, of course, that she could accept him for and he could accept her for. I mean, he was like her hero, kind (gasps) of. I mean, later you find out that he was like her hero. But in the beginning, it just seemed like he wanted something from her. Or not even seemed, he definitely wanted something from her. Right. I don't know. I think they met. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was a a well-written love interest for Preppy. You know, because I think he is so loved, it it could have easily been disappointing who he ended up with, maybe. You know? But, I mean, not that she would have written, but, I mean, you know, just like, oh, that doesn't really match or something like that. Like, I think Tam Fraser did a really good job of writing a unique character that would fit well with Preppy. Um, Speaking of unique characters, I love that um, that Doc's aunt had a, what do they call it? The pig was instead of like a... It was um, a service pig. Yeah, a service pig. So instead of like a service dog, they had, she had a service pig that would help to identify when she was having a, a rough or she was going through, she had dementia or Alzheimer's. I don't know if they said it was Alzheimer's or not, but definitely some form of dementia. Yeah, so she had a form of dementia, and so the pig was there to um, help her get help when needed. She always had people around her. So I thought that was so cute, how you get to see Preppy, you know, compassion um, for other people, because he didn't have to get her, you know, a pig or anything else, and he decides to do it anyway. So I really, I really like that, and I really like that even though Myrna got grandmother even though she had dementia whenever she came back or whenever she was herself she always remembered preppy so that was that was strange she she even remembered him when she wasn't remembering other things because i know there's like scenes where she all of a sudden like kind of goes into an episode and then she's like samuel when did you get here you know yeah and so and i know uh, Doc points that out at one time, like, why does she always remember you? Because I think, you know, it might have probably it was a little bit hurtful that she would forget who her granddaughter was, but she never forgot Preppy. Yeah. That probably just has a lot to do with him being around lately. Right. Uh, so, that, I mean, I would probably be hurt too. <laughs> My grandmother remembered a stranger that she's only been knowing for however long, but I've known her my whole life. She doesn't remember me, so... That was understandable. So, um, the basis of Doc's addiction, we learn, is based off of guilt that she has for the, she feels like she killed her stepsister, which, you know, just a car accident. But she felt so guilty 
doesn't really make sense to me that she went off and did drugs to forget and she allowed her uh, stepsister's boyfriend to completely take advantage of her. Right. Have you ever felt that kind of guilt before? Yeah. I guilt is um guilt is one of those really illogical things a lot of times, you know? Um, I think it's especially where death is involved and you I, I, I guess you want to make sense of it or some or you know, you're upset and that has to go somewhere. I I have a lot of experience with guilt that, you know, when I when people try to talk to me about it logically, like I can see what they're saying and I know I would probably see it the same way for someone else, but I can't stop feeling guilty. Like I can't stop feeling like I could have done something different and some, you know, things were my fault over, you know, a death I experienced in my life. So I I think that guilt is, um, it's very irrational a lot of times. I mean, I can understand that, just, you know, feeling guilty, but to let it completely take over your life, though. I mean, we're also talking about a very young girl. She was 16, you know, whenever her stepsister died because she was just driving. And, I, I mean, this is not a fully developed adult. And processing that kind of traumatic situation is, you know, a lot more difficult. And so, I I don't know. I mean, there's, you know, there's people that it, it, I think it comes down to the person too. You have people that deal with different traumatic things and, you know, maybe one person gets consumed in that tragedy um, and gets consumed by, you know, vices or whatever else and leads them down a really dark path. And then another person becomes, you know, an advocate or something, you know, you see that all the time, Um, those kind of different responses to tragedy. And so in her, it seems to me that that's where her, you know, something in her is what led her down that path and made her process that tragedy that way. Yeah, and I think she didn't really have the support that she needed because her dad was also going through something. I mean, his wife left him after, you know, her stepsister died. So I think she wasn't really getting the support that she needed. Of course, the the author doesn't go into that kind of thing, but I don't know. She was young. How was she allowed to run off with, or not allowed, I guess, but... How did she, like, travel with people at that age? I mean, Sasha, I think that comes down, again, to looking at it from your life experience, you know? I mean, I grew up with people that dropped out of high school and started kind of roaming around the country doing drugs. Very similar type situation. They actually sold doors door to door. (laughs) Which was just like a random company that employed these like teenage kids and you know they bust them to different cities and gave them basically enough money to support their drug habits and they'd have to go knock on doors and you know for different things the people I knew happened to sell doors door to door um but they traveled all over doing it and so 
and she was it wasn't like she was she wasn't young enough to be considered a runaway you know because didn't she leave right after graduation oh i guess so yeah so she she was 18 she left right after high school graduation and went off doing this stuff so yeah i guess sure <laughs> i i mean that was my understanding from it Because there was never any discussion. There was discussion of her dad trying to get her to come home, but never a situation where she was, like, hiding out as a runaway. Yeah. And so I thought it was, like, right after graduation she left. Because I I think, I feel like she said, you know, she had friends, like, going to college doing these things, and, like, she had just had no direction. Okay. Well, 18, I guess you're a little bit more mature, but not really. Like, (laughs) thinking back on when I was 18, I was, I was, I was still a child. Right. I remember saying, oh, I'm so grown. I'm 18 now. I can, you know, I can do this. I can do that. No. no. I, just, I didn't even understand life at that point. I don't understand life now. So <laughs> that's funny. Right. No, I know. I remember being, you know, gosh, even before 18 thinking I knew it all. Like I was an adult basically yeah. or something like that. And now, yeah, I look at, you know, kids that are that age and I'm just like they're babies they have no idea about this world (laughs) but yeah yeah book one was um book one of creepy was kind of slow to me I don't know if it was just me but it's like the suicide thing or attempted suicide thing happened and then it was all about you know keeping her making sure she didn't you know fall back into the drug thing and then it was the end almost. I mean, these books were very short, about seven, seven and a half hours. And I read, I read these books on 1.75 feet. So I think I read these books in like four and a half, five hours or something like that. Yeah. And I um, it was just like, the first book was kind of slow. Um, with those things happening, and then, of course, the end, once he pushes her away, which I was just like, all three of these dudes push their girls away. Did you realize that? Like, all three of them, King, Bear, and Percy, they all got scared of the way that they were feeling and tried to push all three of them away. Yeah. And then went back and said, know your mind. Yeah. No, definitely, um... That's definitely a theme in all of these books is this kind of, uh, well, I won't say all of them, actually, because they're still standalone ones to read. But definitely in these three main uh, characters' books, they all. Oh, no. No. Dark Light of Day, he pushed her away. Or she pushed him away. Uh, that that was one of those lack of communication type things and, and stubbornness, you know, pride. Yeah. Because she, you know, he he said something, and she refused. She basically, I, I mean, I guess they walked away from each other. Because he wasn't willing to give, you know, to back down from what he had heard. And she wasn't willing to correct him. Because she couldn't believe that he would even think of that of her again. Right. So I feel like they kind of walked away from each other in that one. Well, Okay. I think he ran away from her. Cause why would why would he believe that she went? I mean, that don't it doesn't even make sense. Like he wanted to believe that because he was scared. I think. 
or he halfway believed it because he was scared and thought, no one can ever love me. And this is not possible. This can't be real life. I know it feels this way. Yeah, I just, man, are stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, you could be very right. I don't, I think that this is, she makes it very clear who does the pushing away and these for these three care you know these three main men but yeah the author didn't really make all that 100% clear in that one so it is kind of i can i can definitely see what you're saying as far as he not that he wanted to believe it but it like it's it was like too good to be true right and he you know he expects the worst so when he heard the worst it was easy to believe the worst you know that for him was easier to believe than the good. I I also thought that was really strange that he would at all come at her the way that he did because of her version. We're getting totally off of (laughs) puppy here, but yeah. Um, I I don't know. I, okay, well let's, let's get back on, on puppy. So that was pretty much the first book. He pushes her away. And she leaves, she, you know, she gets off with drugs, goes back to her father. And that's pretty much it. But the first book is, like, the first book is all a flashback. Because this whole time, he's sitting in, I guess it was like a cellar or some kind of... Basement um, or something, yeah. Basement or something, you know, wherever Chop had him on the empty ground. Um, and she's just remembering, you know, she basically kept him alive. Right. And she was like, you know, he was just like, if I, I just have to stay, you know, alive, because now I know that I can't live life without her, blah, 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 which he already knew before it happened, but okay, whatever. And then we go into the second book, and the second book is Leap Drop, uh, the second book starts off where Bear's soul is ended, and, um, Dre coming back. You know, her trying to get closure and finding out that he's still alive. With that whole him, that whole beginning of the second book was not like preppy at all. Like, I felt so bad. My heart was hurting because he was, he, that wasn't preppy. Like, he wasn't even wearing the bow tie. No, I think it it was, you know, demonstrating how broken he was. There was, gosh, there was one really tragic scene. And I think the necessity of Doc definitely being there at the beginning of that was because I think there was no other way to see the vulnerable side of Preppy. I feel like he never shows that to his friends. Doc was kind of the only person he ever was vulnerable with at all. He didn't want his friends worrying about him. He didn't whatever. So he's the type that puts the smile on even if he's crying inside. Um, Won't let people see it. And so there's one scene where she sees him and he's Oh, gosh, it's just kind of a tragic scene. Like, she walks in, he can't, he's yanking on his penis, like, he can't get hard. Like, in, I kind of almost hate describing this scene because you can't, like, do it justice. But the way she writes it, you can, like, see this, like, broken person just, like, it, it, I don't know. It was a very tragic scene, and it was hard for me to see Preppy that way. Because he's always, like, the, the, the comic relief. He's, like, the guy that kind of want to be around when you're not on his bad side he always has i guess the good drugs the good liquor whatever he always has you laughing like that that's a beautiful part of being around somebody like that he always has you laughing 
and he can't be like down and depressed. So it was, it was really hard to see him like that in the beginning of the second book. Um, really, what is, most of the second book. Yeah, most of the second book. Because it's not till the end that it's like, I think it's time. Yeah. Type with the bow tie. I'm curious what you think about... I, I feel like there we see a very different side of Preppy. Almost to the point, even in the first book. I'm not even talking about the second book. Because like, that's understandable. He's dealing with basically being locked up and tortured for years and trying to readjust to a world that went on without him. Um, but I, I felt like he was very different than the preppy that we see in the other books. And in that first book is during the time, you know, I mean, this is the preppy that, you know, Bear reminisces about being a watcher and all these different kind of things. And I almost feel like he is the least uh harmful physically during sex really yeah yeah with her i i which i i saw him and his sexual match being a like someone very submissive that he could really dominate and someone that really got off on pain but i don't feel like there was really any of that and i thought that was strange i to me, like that didn't that feel like no preppy. Longer needed it. Huh? He said that he no longer needed it when he met her. But, uh, I don't know. I guess that kind of, maybe it, that's hard for me to accept then. Because I, I, you're right. He did say that. But, you know, there are plenty of people that it's not for any messed up reason. But they like pain during sex. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and so, this idea that he's like healed from that. To me, I'm like, that's not something I want to be healed from. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, but maybe for him it was. I, I don't know. I think um, if you think back on why he needed that, I think that as he got to be with Doc and to recognize what love was, he he didn't need the pain part as much. I mean, also, he had like a huge pecker, so there was some pain in that. <laughs> Yeah, I guess there's always a little pain there. <laughs> so, I mean, it went, and in the first book, he does, I mean, he he's like, I mean, she wants the pain, you know, to forget or whatever the first time they have sex. But it wasn't like stab you pain or like choke you pain. It was more just like the size of his manhood, I guess. Well, and I kind of saw that hard. as... Yeah, I kind of saw that as more um, using the pleasure of sex as an escape more than the pain as an escape is how she was, you know, like her body was craving something. She she wanted pain and he gave it to her. Yeah, I guess big cock pain. Hmm. You know, I'm just saying he could have choked a bitch out a little bit. That would have been okay with me. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, Okay. So, (laughs) while we're on that topic, um, what do you you make of the uh, bear and preppy and doc scene? Um, I love that scene because it was a a struggle of will. And it basically just, it played out like 
this is how I'm going to make her run away. And she's looking at him like, I see what you're doing. And he's looking back at her like, well, I don't care if you see what I'm doing. It's still going to work. And she's looking back at him with like, let's play then. And he's like, okay, let's play. So I think it was just like a struggle of wills. And he never meant for it to get there, but it does get there. And I think that's one of the things that pushes him over the edge because, you know, she's not the type to be, oh, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do that. She's more like, yeah, I'm with the fucks just like you. So I think that just, you know, made him see probably that they were really meant to be together. <laughs> I like, <laughs> Yeah, that's what I got out of it. Well, no, sorry. Go on. No. I mean, because he he realizes that they're supposed to be together, and then right after that, he's like, no, don't don't you see I want you to leave? And it's because he knows that they're supposed to be together. He's like, okay, well, I'm gone then. Bye. So. (laughs) So I brought up that scene mainly just because, like, for one, it is the only time in a series where something like that happens. And I think uh, it makes sense almost for a sharing situation between Bear and Preppy. But um, also I brought it up because it's like, it's kind of fucking hot. And like, you know, and I I don't know. Um, And then as I was listening to you talk about it, though, I kind of started looking at something different about it uh, when you were talking about, you know, their kind of battle of wills. And this is right before she finally goes off. And I think in a way that was showing like she was, she had regained her strength. She was strong again. You know, she had let those guys do horrible things to her and everything. And she was like a victim to it. And she was like, no, you know, like, I feel like she took control of it. And it kind of showed her recovery and her strength. I agree. I think, um, it needed to happen, and I think it even maybe it helped heal him a little bit too. Um, in her gaining her strength, because she was basically saying, regardless of my past and what I've been through, I'm not a weak person. I may have allowed uh, myself to, to get addicted to heroin, but that's not really who I am. Right. So. I think he saw that, you know, he had not healed her, but he had helped her to gain her strength. And he felt like, you know, I mean, this whole time he felt like he could keep her. So he just used it as an excuse to, you know, tell her to go away. So He was a loser. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. One other thing. What do you make of... I mean, it's never spelled out, but do you think it's almost like Preppy has some type of power, you know, oh, like what? um, where he's able to see things and, you know, all of his friends and family feel like he was communicating with them, mm-hmm. felt like they could hear him. And there's also a part even after that, though, where, you know, he's seeing that something's happening to Doc and he has to save her while he was asleep from the tattoo hand guy. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I was like thinking, I mean, what do you make of all of that? Like, since he was not dead, he, and then, you know, he talks to that guy, that dead guy at the cemetery mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. 
I don't know. It was just, to me, it was kind of interesting, but never really spelt out. And I was just wondering what you made of all that. Well, I think it just, it shows the love and the bond that his family and him had together. And then a part of them probably felt like he wasn't allowed, like they couldn't believe it. And, and they weren't ready to believe it. But Bear says, like, at the end of Solace, that he had start, started to stop hearing him because he was finally, you know, getting to the point where he was accepting it. And I think all of them went through the same thing. So that makes sense to me when you lose someone that you're, you love and you're very close to. You mm. go through stages of grief. And, you know, denial is one of the first stages. And he was gone for what, like, six months or something like that? Something less than six months, I think. Or a year, even, because we had the whole King and Doe situation, basically. There was still a lot of their situation. And then the whole bear being gone for a while, ran off, and then the Thea situation. You know, I feel like, yeah, it was a while. Yeah, because she... When Preppy came back, Doe's baby was, I guess, she was still a newborn. Yeah. And Preppy left, um, or Preppy, yeah, Preppy left right before she was taken. So, yeah, it has to be at least like a year. You're right. And you know what? Yeah, you totally made me look at all that Preppy stuff differently. Because, you know, you know I lost someone close to me, and I hear him all the time. Like, I can hear what he would be saying to me in situations. Because I think when you know somebody and you're so close to them, and it's yeah. hard to accept them being gone, like, you carry their voice with you a little bit. And I did not look at it that way at all. I was looking at it as some, like, weird power or something, like, that just didn't go with the genre of book that this is. And, you know, I, uh, so I was just kind of, I mean, I loved it because I loved that we never lost Preppy. As far as, you know, from the reader. But it was just, it was kind of strange for me. But then, yeah, you saying that, like, I, I get that. Yeah. It makes makes a lot more sense than what I had going on in my head. <laughs> no, I mean, the and he's... then when, when he sees the, the caretaker that's dead, I mean, he could have self-consciously already seen that headstone walking up to Grace's headstone. And, of course, he's grieving. Yeah. And he needs, like, a calm voice. But then I guess that could have been Grace. That, well, no, but he knew that Grace was... I don't know. I think when you're grieving, um, certain things can come through that wouldn't naturally or normally come through. Because you're in that space of grief and denial um, and heartache. So I think that you can see and hear certain things that you are not supposed to when you're in different stages of your life. Yeah. No, yeah, I see. I mean, I definitely, you have made me see that differently. Because it was one of those things that I enjoyed to hear his voice, but I was kind of weirded out by it. Like, what does this mean exactly? But yeah, I wasn't looking at it in that context, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap this up? Book three of Cressy was kind of slow paced like book one, except for a few different things. And I don't want to really give it away. 
But all through book, in book one, when he saw Eric in the cemetery, and then he, like, left him there to go to her, I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, what is he doing? Let her go and kill this one. Like, I was I was so upset that he did not take care of Eric then and there. And I was like, that's going to come back and bite them. But yeah. I don't, you know. So... I mean, that's pretty much it. We love Preppy, and I wish there was a, a Preppy in this world today. Probably is somewhere. We just <laughs> aren't in Southern Florida to find him. But if you're listening to this Preppy, call me. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, I think everybody, I mean, I, I don't think anyone can read this series and not, like, want a Preppy in their life. Definitely. Um. He's fun, and I'm I I mean I'm glad that he is throughout the series. I feel like even though it's called the King series, I think he really is the central person. It the standalones, everything like you see more of Preppy than I think you see of anyone else consistently throughout all the books. Yeah, I could see that. Even though he's not physically there in the books, because he's only physically there. For the first book, King. Right. And then he's not there for the second book. He's not there for the two bear books. But and you still, he's... book is a prequel. So it's like he's not there for more than half the series. But at the same time, you still feel him because he's still so much a part of everybody's lives. Yeah. Which is really cool. So. Definitely. All right. That's all I got. Okay, well then, we'll wrap it up for this episode, and we will talk about the kind of one-off standalone books that come along with this series next time. Yes, I'm excited. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.